verse 15 and onward. We're going to go right back into our series on the book of John. Last week we talked about daddy issues. How many were blessed by that message? I hope that you're spreading it around to those that you love. Because in the kingdom of God, there are not daddy issues. If you come in with them, you don't have to keep them anymore. Amen? Go with me to John chapter 14, verse 15, because I want to really share some good teaching today on the Holy Spirit and how important the Holy Spirit needs to be to our lives. And why so often, instead of Christians being grounded in good doctrine, they look for the sensational and they're deceived by things that appear spiritual. Okay, so does everybody see where I'm going today? Amen. I want you to be aware that not everything that is spiritual is godly. And I have never seen more naivety in the body of Christ than I have right now. And sadly, this is at the same time that I've never seen more deconversion than I have right now. I've been a Christian for almost 30 years. Think about that. Those two things your pastor just said are important. Think about it. I have never seen more granola flake, uh, fruits, nuts, and flake Christians than I have right now. They are the most conspiracy-minded oompa loompas I have ever seen. I'm just being very honest with you. Some of them doubt whether or not the world is round. They thought Trump was still president, and they stormed the White House. Like, I am disgusted at how people in the name of Christ are so gullible. And, and I don't think it's any coincidence. On the other side of the coin, you have the most deconversions. And these two people never talk to each other. They never talk to each other because they have the, the, the ones who are deconverting think they're so much smarter than these conspiracy oompa loompas. And the conspiracy oompa loompas think these other people are so demon possessed they have nothing to talk to them about. And I'm sitting here in the middle going, man, you both are wrong. You both are wrong. The conspiracy theorists, you are wrong. The world is round. NASA is real, okay? NASA is real. The Illuminati does not control everything. Everybody's not a pedophile. Oprah Winfrey's not drinking blood, okay? Like false witness and lying is lying. I don't care who you lie about. You lie about the devil. It's a false witness, okay? And then at the same time, those who deconvert and they say, well, you know, I used to, this one I was listening to, I used to be a worship leader. And, and you know how you feel the Holy Spirit in the songs. Well, we were told to repeat those same words over and over and over again. Listen to me. I'm sorry that your, your church was backslidden and did it like that. But we don't sing the same song over and over again so you feel something. We do it because God is moving. We don't teach people how to experience the Holy Ghost like it's goosebumps. Are you all listening to me? And I wish that they would just talk to each other and both just, you know, see how wrong they both are for a few minutes and then humble themselves because it's the same problem. It's pride. Pride will make you think because you've been a part of some church for a year or two or you were brought up as a Christian, you think you understand Christianity. You no more understand Christianity than holding a thimble of water understand Lake Michigan. What I, what, I, what I laugh about is when you see these deconverted people knocking down the ridiculousness of the conspiracy people, and they think they've proved a point. You have not proved a point. I would, like this, for example, with me. I've been a Christian longer than those deconverted people have been a Christian, and I've been rebuking the same thing that they see stupid in the Christian church. I've been here the whole time. Are you guys listening? I mean, I'm, I'm not eternal, but I'm just saying, like, these young adults, these Gen Zs, like, I get it. You don't like televangelists. You think they're goofy. I think they're goofy. That's not why you reject Christianity. You didn't, you didn't like that a pastor pimped women in the church. I don't like that. Okay, is everybody tracking with me? What we need to understand is that Christianity is unique. There is nothing like Christianity. And in this passage we're going to read, Christianity is unique because Jesus, by his death, burial, and resurrection, gives us an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not there to make us sensational and to make us weird. This, uh, the Holy Spirit is there to teach us about sin, righteousness, and judgment, and then to empower us to go and change the world. To have sound doctrine, to be of spirit, means to be of truth. If you don't have the Spirit, you can't have truth. Are you listening to me? Truth is from the Spirit. And if you don't have the Spirit, you don't have the truth. Truth is of the Spirit. Spirit is of truth. And what grieves me is there's a movie that's out right now, Jesus Revolution, talking about what God did among the Jesus people. 
And then there's another movie coming out, Go Out in Jesus' Name, talking about these guys casting demons. And one shows what God has done in our history, in our past, among the Jesus people, which are the hippies, them getting saved. Another one is a bunch of goofy Christians thinking that they can cast demons out of Christians and promoting it with immoral people. And then they're calling this the Holy Spirit. And then I look at these news feeds, and I look at these comments, and people are thinking that's the Holy Spirit. Do you know how easy it would be for me to manipulate every single one of you with sin issues to make you think you had a demon, and then I pray for you, and you fall down, go boom, and I'm somehow now supernatural? I would rather cast out one real demon in my entire life than to trick every person in here to think you have demons. Christians don't have demons. That's the first mark of a Christian is you don't have a demon anymore. If you have a demon, you don't have this person living inside of you. I don't, this is where it gets so goofy to me. How do we as Pentecostals, people, people who believe in the power of the Spirit, become so goofy to think that you can have what Jesus talks about here and the devil inside of you at the same time? I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it. Trust me. I'm going to get into all the scriptures. We're going to read it. <clears throat> but I just want you to know this. It is sad to me that people believe this. Can you guys give me some water, please? My, my throat just caught some dust. The idea that today... You can have a, a demon as a Christian has, an, has been a heresy, thank you, that has been refuted over and over and over again. And yet I see Christians believe it. And then at the same time, thank you, I see the deconverted people. And I'm just like, I get it. You went to a church that told you you had a demon. You, 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 you were told autism was a demon or something. You went to a place where you were manipulated by a pastor who wore $5,000 sneakers and sang the same song over again to get goosebumps because that's what worked at a conference, okay? Like, I get it. But that's not Christianity. That's not what saves souls. Is everybody listening to me? That's not what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he is not talking about us being weird, us, <clears throat> you know, somehow having goosebumps and stuff. Does the Holy Spirit do all of that? Yes, but you never see Jesus talking about it. And even sometimes in this church, you guys say, well, I felt the Holy Spirit, so I had goosebumps and all that. Well, what if you don't have the goosebumps, and what if you don't feel the Holy Spirit? Are you going to now think you don't have the Holy Spirit? Are you going to be that weak in your faith that if God doesn't tickle you every day that you're going to walk away from God? Do scientists do that? Well, I don't feel the law of gravity tickling me today, so I'm not going to believe in gravity. What is wrong with us? God is our creator. He made us. He promised a relationship with us. Yes, these are beautiful promises, but that doesn't mean every day you're going to be tickled by the Holy Spirit like he's Aladdin. Well, no, well, no that's in the movie Aladdin. What's the genie's name? Genie? Just genie. Jesus is not our genie. And then that's why if they don't deconvert, they all go to new age. And they start talking all this new age stuff. Well, I used to be a Christian, but, you know, but that God was so judgmental. And now I, I found the source of the universe. And I can be who I want to be and still feel spiritual. This is a deception upon our people, brothers and sisters. It's in our churches. And it grieves my heart. This is not Christianity. Christianity is knowing God, keeping his commands. Just listen to what it says, John 14, 15. Jesus talking, if you love me, keep my commands. That's Christianity. Anyone that talks to me about deconverting and doesn't love Jesus' commands, you were a hypocrite. I love Jesus' commands. That means today, if you ever hear me convert, you slap me in the face with the Bible and say, you're a hypocrite, because I'm standing before you telling you I love his commands. I love the command not to commit adultery. I love the command not to lust after another woman, you know, other than desire my wife. I love the command to have self-control and not to be selfish. I love the commands of God. They're the joy of my heart. The commands of Jesus Christ have set me free. I don't want to be lustful. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be a homosexual. I don't want to be an angry adulterer. I want to be holy. I like being holy. I like Jesus. Amen. I want to be like Jesus. Anybody else here? Come on. Want to be like Jesus. I'm not ashamed of him. 
Some of these church kids, they backslide and then they think they discovered something new. Man, I was smoking weed before you were even a thought in your parents' mind. I know what weed offers. I know what drugs offer. I know what science offers without a thought about God in it. It's emptiness. I know what money gives you. I know what popularity gives you. I've been there. I've done that. I've got the scars to prove it both mentally, solically, and physically. And yet people act like we don't know, you know? Like we don't know sin. How many people here know sin? Do you not know sin? I know sin. You're not telling me anything I don't know. Well, you know, well, here I am now. I'm free. I can be everything God wants me. That's my, I mean, I can be everything the devil wants me to be. You guys said that was the devil, but I love it. That's my nightmare. I have nightmares of me drinking at parties, not having God in my life, getting high, having sex. Those are nightmares. I don't wish that. Hallelujah, man. I thank God that he gave me commands. How many are thankful for commands? I'm not ashamed of them. I'm not ashamed that God judged the earth. Other people get ashamed of it, you know, like, oh, man, I don't know about Noah's generation. Let me tell you about Noah's generation. They were wicked. They all went down in the flood except that family. God's going to do it again. You better get right or you're going to get left. I don't care if you don't like it. It doesn't matter what you like. It's what God said. Where did we get the idea that we're going to call God up on his Google reviews and say, you better change because we all gave you one stars? Well, we didn't, you know, well, we, we went to Jesus' Old Testament. We went to the Bible. We give it a one star. So you know what, Jesus, you're going to have to change the way you serve it up. You got to apologize. So what, where did we get this idea? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I, I, just, I just want to tell my testimony. That's why I think a lot of people aren't even real Christians. I'm not saying everyone who deconverts is not a real Christian. I'm just saying I don't, I don't think there's a lot of real Christians out there. I'm just being honest. When I met Jesus, this is how I would describe it. I said yes to God. Like, what does it feel like? What does it look like? It's like saying yes. I'm down. When that happened in my life, man, I didn't regret it. I have never regretted it. The only regrets I have as a Christian is that I haven't always lived like I should. I don't regret. Man, listen, I'm just being honest. Some of you all don't relate to this. Get saved today. Please, get really saved. The only regret I have in the last 30 years is the times I broke God's commands. I do not think to myself, man, I wish I would have broke God's commands more. I don't think that. I don't don't feel like I missed anything, young people. I tell you the stories, man, so so you can relate to me because I didn't always have gray hair and have a dab bod, okay? I used to be cool like some of you guys, but listen, man, I, didn't, I, I don't regret when I went to Pensacola and I was out there as a young pastor and I heard the parties and the temptation came. You can go here and nobody will know. I don't regret that. Young people, look up at me, please. I don't regret that. That would they make a music video about? I don't regret missing out on that. Why? So I can go to the clinic again? They don't tell you about the STDs and that they're living with. They don't tell you about the rate of suicide. I lost the best, one of my best friends that I lived with was the biggest player. I walked in on him having sex with multiple girls at a time. I'd never seen that stuff before. That wasn't even popular back then. That same dude committed suicide. There's, there's nothing in this world that will satisfy your soul. What are you going to tell him? Get more girls? You're going to heal his soul by getting more girls. Hey, man, you need more sex. You're going to tell him to get more money? That guy was making money like me. We were drug dealers. We were selling drugs, man, out that apartment house. What are you going to tell him? Go get more fame. Go get more. We were popular, man. In our little small town, our house was the trap house, the whatever house, and everything in one. Yeah, it was everything, man. What are you going to tell Chris? Hey, man, don't commit suicide. You'll have better sex in the future. Hey, Chris, don't commit suicide. You'll have more money in the future. Hey, Chris, don't commit suicide. People around here like you. Chris didn't care, man. He took his life. That's, I mean, what, what do you think this world is like? This is what I, I wonder when I talk to these people. Where do, what are you going to? I'm going to my, my own identity. I get to be free. I'm going to be very honest with you. I hate myself without God. I do, man. I hate myself without God. I hate it. I don't want my flesh. I don't want my flesh. You want my flesh? This is why I want to say that person. She said, well, I can be who I want to be. You want me to be who I can be? You want me to show you the sinner me? First thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to get slapped here. 
Somebody, I, I guarantee you at this party, somebody's getting slapped. I used to slap, man, you guys, I'm not telling you I was the coolest, but I was a dude that slapped people for fun when I got high and drunk, man. I remember one kid, he's, he talked so much junk after school, man. I went to his house. I went out of my way, bro. I'm not a proud of this. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you I was a sinner. I'm not proud of this. I went to his house. He wasn't there. His mom said he's at our other friend's house. I went and I found him. He had his car window rolled down. I just remember like it was yesterday. He was trying to roll out. I rolled up. I, I just started slapping him through the car window. I said, what are you going to do? Get out the car, man. I would have died. He would have I don't know. That's just how I live. You want me to be me? I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a pervert. I want to look at my wife like I want someone to look at my daughter. I don't want someone cheating on my daughter. I don't want to cheat on her mom. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. I'm not proud of my sinful self. I hate it. I hate everything I became. Yeah, there were some good days for a moment or good pleasures here and there. But how many know they were fleeting? It was like sand falling through your hands, man. You couldn't hold on to it. That feeling that you have. If I could just keep this feeling, if I could just keep you don't. It's a deception. It's an imitation of that which is good. It's a shadow. It's not a reality. So it gets you going back to, for more. You know, more success, more money, more fame, whatever. And, it's, and, and every time you reach for it, you get a sense of temporary pleasure, but then it's gone. People oftentimes say God is a meanie for sending people to hell. Why did he create us if he's going to send us to hell? Why are you arguing about it? Oh, because I don't like it. Why don't you like it? Oh, because it's not the thing I would do. So your free will says you don't like what God is doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm making a choice. I don't like what God is doing. Okay, so here's the other option. God takes away your, your free will. Beep, boop, beep, boop. And now he says you like hell. You good with that? See, free will means you decide. Does everybody get that? God can say beep, boop, beep, boop. You like hell. You like judgment. And just take your whole free will from you. Hey, computer, do you have a problem with hell? My computer doesn't care about moral issues. Does everybody get that? People don't even think what they're thinking. They use their moral judgment to make a judgment towards God, the God who gave them moral judgment. It's a fool's errand. That's why the Bible says the fool has said in their heart there is no God. The first thing I want to say to every person that's mad at God is why are you mad at somebody you don't believe exists? Why are you mad at somebody that you believe gave morals and now there's no such thing as morals? You want to watch a comedy show, watch an evolutionist try to explain morals. Well, it's, 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 it's because of, of, of us being evolved animals, and over time in the herd, we have found out it's better to take care of each other. Okay, well, I'm an animal, and I don't like that. I don't like what you other animals decided. How do you now tell me I'm wrong? How do you say Hitler is wrong? Him and those animals said we're going to eat those animals. I had to put up a video last week to show this. A lion eating another lion. You know what I'm saying? Tell me why that's wrong in evolutionary science. Where does Darwin say that's wrong? We should not do that. Where do shoulds and oughts come from in evolution? Brothers and sisters, everybody here has a moral compass. We all know it. And most people are just butthurt with God because he spanked them a little bit and said, don't do X, Y, and Z. That's why I backslid when I was a church kid. I didn't like it. God telling me not to do this. If I want to do it. And yet, my life was destroyed. It was absolutely destroyed. This is the way my mom tells the story because she prayed for me and I got saved back again at her kitchen table. She said, the devil couldn't leave you alone at just stealing. He had to try to kill you. And then when he was seeing that the killing was, uh, you know, killing your purpose and all that, now he wanted to destroy you. And it was at that point that God rescued you. See, the devil, he doesn't just stop with stealing. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. God loves us. Somebody say, Jesus loves me. That's why he wants you to love him back. See, if, notice that, if, 
If you love him, if, if you make that choice, nobody's going to program you to do this. If you love Jesus, what will be your response to keep his commands? And what will he do now that he's ascended, now that this has come to pass? He's here in the, uh, in the story. He's talking to them. He hasn't yet done, and he's going to explain it to them in just a moment. But now we can understand what he's talking about. It's already happened. He's ascended. Easter has come and gone, right? He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another what? An advocate, a defender, a bodyguard to help you and be with you for how long? Forever. The spirit of what? Truth. And then people want to tell me Christians can be demon-possessed? What kind of stupid doctrine do you have to believe that? The Holy Spirit, my guardian, the Holy Spirit, my defender, is going to let a demon come inside me? You a liar. You sound like the devil. Maybe you're a demon in disguise. Maybe you're a false convert Want me to be focused on demons instead of the Holy Spirit. Because last time I checked, demons run from me in Jesus' name. I'm protected. If there's no difference between my house and a non-Christian's house, what's the point of the Holy Spirit? If I don't get a defense that actually works, what's the difference? Now, can Christians be tempted? Can we sin? Absolutely. But you can't have a demon. You have to backslide. You have to change who's your boss. You have to change what spirit you have to get that. You can't have the Holy Spirit and a demonic spirit. And yet, for whatever demonic, just ignorant reason, people believe this. People I follow on Facebook. And I'm like, why are you teaching this to Christians? How do you think that's helping them? Well, we want to tell them that their problems come from a demon and that it's not their fault and that Jesus will set them free. Yeah, sure, that's what every backslider wants to hear. It's not you, it's a demon. The devil made me do it. Sorry, honey, I cheated on you last night. Why? Oh, the devil made me do it. Have the pastor come and cast a demon of lust out of me. Yeah, I can't control myself. Well, I thought you were saved. I still can't control the Holy Spirit. It's just not enough. He ain't enough. I need something else to control me because the spirit that comes against me is greater than he that's in me. That's the opposite of what the Bible says. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Devil, give it a try and see what happens. You will get knocked down in Jesus' name. The world cannot accept him. Do you all get this? A non-Christian can't have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said earlier in John 3, 3, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Does he go back up into the womb, into his mother a second time? And Jesus said, no, what is born of the flesh is flesh, but what is of the spirit is spirit. What I say unto you, you must be born again. It's born again of the spirit. So the spirit, the spirit is like the wind. You feel it, but you don't know where it's come from or where it's going. That's what Jesus taught us. And notice what it says, the world cannot accept him. You can't get him unless you believe in Christ. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Talking to the disciples. Somebody say, I know him. I know the Holy Ghost. Amen. He's not Casper the ghost. He's Holy Ghost. He's holiness. He's power. He's fire. He's a refreshing mighty river. I know him for he lives with you and will be in you. That's what I teach Christians. Not, to how, not, not how to LARP, live action role play, to play make-believe with some d d demon. No, no, no. I'm going to teach you how to fight the devil with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now, oh, do I have a demon? Was that a demon? My demon? Maybe everybody's got demons. And then you know what they say to me? Well, then you've got a demon. People say to me, I've been saved longer than they've been, been serving the Lord. I have a demon now. You a liar. I don't have a demon. You have a demon. If anybody, anybody has a demon, you have a demon. And you ain't saved. I'm saved, hallelujah. I've been sanctified. I love Jesus. If, if, I don't, if I'm not a real Christian, ain't nobody a real Christian. I'm just going to help you know. I'm just going to be honest with you right now. If I ain't doing it right, none of y'all doing it right. I'm promising you. I'm just telling because I know my life. I know what it's like to be saved, sanctified, having looked at pornography since 96, having, you know, taken the names Lord in vain and all of these. I'm telling you, I've been saved, you know, faithful to my wife. I love the Lord's command. If I'm not right, none of y'all right. 
But if I'm living for Jesus, you're living for Jesus with me, right? That's why when I hear these kind of people, I'm like, man, what, you four and no more going to heaven? You're the only one? I love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. How many love the Holy Spirit? How many know he's with us? That doesn't need to be sensational. You can't, you know, the Holy Spirit touches us. You weep. You cry. You know why? Because you're a, you're a person of emotion. But your emotions don't dictate truth. I weep all the time in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't make it true. You understand? I've wept watching movies. That doesn't make it true. I was watching the end game with my family. I cried when Tony Stark died. Does that make it true? Man, Tony, he's so real. Man, that dude, I'll tell you what, man, I feel him, man. Man, now he's leaving his wife, man. He's leaving his kid, man. I felt that right there. That's so real. That's just emotions. That's emotions. You feel a thing. People who hear uh, homosexuals uh, come out of their, their, uh, their religious backgrounds on, uh, you know, America's Got Talent, you know, these people feel goosebumps too. As I told you before, they always tell those stories on the entertainment shows. Why don't they ever tell one of your stories out there? Hey, guys, I just want to sing a gospel song for you. I used to be a lesbian, but now I just really love Jesus and my husband out there. We have some kids. And, you know, I've gotten rejected by my friends and family because they loved me when I was gay. But now that I live for Jesus, they, they, don't, they don't want me anymore. Why, why doesn't it stop right there to slow music's play and they do a backstory on that person? Showing them getting bullied, spit on by the non-Christians. You get what I'm saying? Showing the parents disapproving of them going to church. How many know the backstory, little syndrome, that thing I talked about? You see it all the time on those shows. I just want to tell you, I'm a lesbian. I grew up in a religious family, and, and, and I felt so much rejection. And then there it goes. A little tear comes down Huey's face and tell that backstory. How many know what I'm talking about? Why don't they tell our story? Why is it you can be on food truck road show or one of these races that they, uh, these uh, contests they do on the cooking channel and these shows that I watch? And then how come you can, you know, these famous people, why can't they play for the charity support life in abortion? It's always, I'm playing for the LGBTQ STD clubs in high schools and I just want to make sure they all have acceptance. How come you can't hear somebody say, I'm, I'm playing for the anti abortion? Ministry in my church. I hope that I win the food truck race so I can give 20000 to new moms that are deciding to keep their children and not be murderers. Why don't you hear that story? You don't. And then every, every, every celebrity that comes out with something goofy, we have to hear about them, but we can't hear about the one who talks about Jesus. And then the one who finally talks about Jesus has to st stutter and, and, and be ashamed when they ask them about homosexuality. Ask me. Ask me. What do you think about those who live this lifestyle? They go to H-E-double-L hockey sticks. They go to hell. Guess what? You'll go to hell too. Well, I'm not gay. Well, you're a bunch of other things too. Ask me the next question. I feel like you're, you're giving me some easy ones. You haven't even asked me yet about the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the timing of the rapture. That will get some difficult charts, and then we'll have to bring out the yarn and all of that with the cork board. But just ask me the basic ones right now. The adults are going to hell. Not happy about it, but I'll make sure you know it. What about the liar hell? Anybody ever watch Parks and Recs when they have the Venezuelan people come? And he tells them what it's like in Venezuela. You don't pay a parking ticket, jail. You litter in the park, jail. Let's go through the list, hell, hell. Okay, any other questions, class? Well, that's scary. Yeah, that's why our Bible says fear God. That's why our Bible says to fear God. We love God, but we also fear him and honor him because we know who he is. Yes, he's a lion, but he's not a tame lion, as C.S. Lewis said. He's not a tame lion. He's a roaring lion. And our generation needs to be awakened to these things. Stop blaming your problems on demons. I'm sure you've dealt with them here and there, but the majority of the issues is your flesh, your temptation. Deal with it. Count it as dead. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, take up a deliverance ministry and a bottle of oil and get all up in your demons every single day. He didn't say that. We'll cast out demons, yes. We do it all the time here in Jesus' name, but that's not your major problem. 
The devil is not our major problem. The flesh is. Now, the devil will come alongside of us and tempt us with the flesh. But guess what? If you're a Christian, guess who is there with you? The Holy Spirit. I, Jesus speaking, will not leave you as orphans. You are not alone. I will come to you. How will he do that? Via the Holy Spirit, keep going. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, the day of his resurrection, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus, make room. Demons are coming over tonight. Okay, I'll just make room. Come on over here, demons. You all think that's happening? Then I have people try to get all deep, and they go, Ooh, it's, it's, well, your spirit is saved, and the spirit has the Holy Spirit. But it's your body, and the demons come live in the body. Can I tell you what your body becomes after you get saved? Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Go with me in 1 Corinthians. Believe it, saints, and you'll stop falling for this nonsense. Amen? Believe it and watch what God will do in your life. Believe it and watch how you'll begin to live differently. You won't have to talk to demons every day. You'll crouch your flesh as crucified, and you'll see what God does in your midst. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Look at what he says here. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Somebody say, I'm God's temple. And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. How many believe that God is in your midst right now? How many believe he protects you from the devil? How many believe he brings you the power of heaven to stand alongside of you, that you're never alone? Now look at the scripture here that goes on to say our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's also, I believe, in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to get some of these off the top here. Thank you, my brother. 619. I thought I had it ready. I thought I was on top of things. I'm trying. Look at it. That's why I brought this up here because I don't want any excuse. I want to talk about 100 scriptures if I have time. People say, oh, he's, you know, Jesus is in my spirit, but the devil's in my body. You are a liar. I'll tell you what, seriously, you either have Jesus in your body, soul, and spirit, or you don't have Jesus. Jesus is either in all three parts of you, body, soul, and spirit, or you don't have him. Look at it. Flee from sexual immorality. All sins a person commits are outside the body. Whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your what? Your souls are the temples? No, your spirit are the temple. What does it say? Your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Who is where? In you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Thank you. Go back to the notes, please. Jesus said, you'll know that all this is true on that day that I resurrect because I will be in you, notice this, like I'm in the Father. You will know I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Look at verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. This is why so often when I talk to people about what it means to be a backslider, I always bring them to the example of Saul. When an evil spirit came upon him, what had to happen first for that evil spirit to come upon him? The Spirit of God had to depart him. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. How many believe repetition is a good thing? We learn. Amen. So this may be review for some of you. Others who are new, thank you for coming. We love you. We're not mad at you if you've believed this before. We're just imploring you to do the right thing. Now the Spirit of the Lord had did what? Departed from who? From Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. So God allowed this evil spirit to torment Saul, but what had to leave first? Does everybody get that? Go back to our notes about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to send you the advocate. He's going to protect you. That's what it means, advocate. I'm going to get your back. How can an evil spirit come on you while that spirit is there? He can't. What has to happen for an evil spirit to come to a Christian? They have to have the Holy Spirit leave. And that's why we talk about backsliding. And I don't understand why this is so problematic for people. Well, well, if we tell people they're backsliding, it's going to make them all afraid that maybe uh, Jesus doesn't love them. No, just keep his commands. He literally told you how to know if you're doing the right thing. Does everybody get that? If you love me, you keep my what? Commands. Go to Ezekiel chapter 33. Some of you know this, but I just want you to see this. 
I'm not afraid of losing my salvation like my wife loses her phone every day. Losing, my, my wife losing her phone is an accident. Walking away from salvation, verse, uh, chapter 3, please. Walking away from salvation is a purposeful thing you do by continual sin. It is not one sin by accident you become a non-believer. The sin that you continue in that leads to unbelief separates you from God. We're going through that in the book of Hebrews, and I'll read it for you in just a moment, okay? But sinning does not mean you leave God's presence immediately. God is patient. God is kind. Grace is there for all of us. Amen? Can I hear an amen? So I don't want you as a Christian to think, well, I, you know, what if I sin and I mess up, then I'm no longer a Christian. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that a lifestyle of sin has consequences. Look at verse 20 of chapter 3 of Ezekiel. Again, when a righteous person, what kind of person is this? A righteous person turns from their righteousness and does what? Evil, and I put a stumbling block before them, they will die. Since you did not warn them, they will die for their sins. So this is a part of our job is to warn Christians if we see them sinning. Since you did not warn them, they will die for their sins. Now highlight this, please. The righteous things that person did will not be remembered. Doesn't that put the fear of God in everybody? That's why Jesus said that many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Because even those, and please put up that scripture, I don't have the reference. Even those who have done miracles in Jesus' name can walk away from God, and those things no longer be remembered by God. It's not that he's not all-knowing. It's just not remembered in the sense of a reward or of a blessing. It's not called to mind. Is everybody tracking with me? Amen. This is good teaching. This helps you to understand how important the Holy Spirit is. This is what we're learning in the book of John. The Holy Spirit is the key to us being with Jesus and staying with Jesus and being close to Jesus. Jesus is there by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Today, you do not have to be afraid of losing your salvation. But you do need to be concerned that if you continue in sin, there will be a consequence. Brothers, do you have that scripture, please? Yes, there will be those on the day of judgment who will say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things? And he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Look at it. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Does everybody see that? So that is true. There will be on that day people like Judas. Did not Judas do amazing things with Jesus? The Bible says he was sent out with the rest of them. They cast out demons. They did amazing things, real demons, not make-believe demons. They did real works of God. But Jesus is speaking this, and this would apply to even Judas. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. How many know after he committed suicide and Jesus was raised you know, and ascended to heaven, how many know Judas was calling him Lord? He's not going to call him Bob. What do you think Judas is going to call Jesus when he sees him in heaven? Hey, Gary. No, he's going to say, Lord, he's going to be on his knees going, Lord, don't you remember me? I'm your guy. Let's put aside the betrayal for right now. Let's put aside, you know, all that I did like that. But, hey, you're Lord, and I believe that. And don't you remember, you sent me out to cast out demons. But not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, went to heaven, but only the one who does the what? The will of my Father was in heaven. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? That's what we did here before I preached during that worship time. People speaking on what they believe God is saying to them. That's special. And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will plainly tell them. What is he going to tell them? I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He's going to delete them. Now, once again, does that mean he doesn't know like in the sense of his all-knowing nature? No, it just means he doesn't call to mind in a pleasing way their relationship. The know there is an intimacy. I'm not close to you, in other words. I know about you. I know what you did. You're going to get punished. But these things that you claim that you did in my name, I'm not calling those to mind. I don't have sweet, pleasant memories. We're not in intimacy. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 4, go there quickly, what it looks like when someone lives in continual sin, grieves the Holy Spirit. The Bible actually calls this grieving of the Holy Spirit. And we should not take this lightly. Everyone should be serious about this. But at the same time, you don't have to fear, uh, as a Christian, if you were to sin, what were to happen. Notice in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Does everybody see that? The word of God will help you. It will convict you. It will show you if you have gone astray. 
Now going up to chapter 3, notice how you go astray. 3 verse 12, chapter 3 verse 12 of Hebrews. See to it, brothers and sisters, he's speaking to Christians, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns from the living God. Can a non-Christian have a heart that is pure? No, they already have a sinful heart, right? Can a non-Christian be in relationship with God? No, unless they repent, right? So notice who he is warning here. These are people who don't have sinful hearts. He's warning them, don't have a sinful heart. So what kind of heart must they have? A good heart. He's warning them, don't turn from the living God. So they must be in relationship with the living God. Is everybody listening? And if you didn't catch it, he actually calls them brothers and sisters. Okay, brothers and sisters. This is who he's talking to. He's talking to people like us. Hey, Christians. Hey, brothers and sisters. Make sure none of you, like Ezekiel said, has a sinful, unbelieving heart that now turns from God. You were doing righteous, but now you turn from God. But encourage one another as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Don't let sin deceive you and carry you along to harden the heart and cut you off from God. We have come to share in Christ if we indeed hold our what? Original conviction firmly to the end. How long do I need to hold my conviction about Jesus Christ in my life? To the end, to the very end. Isn't that what it says? So what if I hold this conviction for a year from now and then I stop holding it? Do I go to heaven? No, I hold this conviction for how long? To the very end. Saved by faith, by grace through faith, but it's a faith that is active. It is a faith that is alive. It is a faith that continues day to day. It is not something that dies and becomes stagnant. You cannot live on yesterday's faith. Amen? Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and then we'll get back to John. How many are enjoying this today? Amen. Just everybody's getting their toes stepped on if they're not doing the right thing. Lord, check me you know, before any, I do anything wrong. I just want to speak to you as a pastor. Beware of these things. The Holy Spirit we're learning about is powerful. We shouldn't take these lightly. Notice what Paul's prayer is. How many know Paul prays a prayer that Jesus hears and that will be answered? How many know Paul gets answers to prayers? What is his prayer? May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, every part of you. Now notice the default of every Christian here. May your whole spirit... Brother, let's get that up there. Uh, chapter 5, verse 23. If I didn't say the verse, thank you. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole what? Spirit, soul, and body be kept what? Blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I thought our spirit, soul, and body as Christians gets washed up and when we die. So we have to die first to get washed up. We're Christians, you know, we're, we're loved by God, but we're imperfect, we're jacked up, we're messed up, God's still working on me. And then when I die, then everything gets right. That's not what it says. As a person living now on this earth, my spirit, soul, and body are to be kept what? Blameless. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, what if you sin? Repent and go back to blameless. My water by default now is pure. Does everybody get that? This is default. It probably didn't start that way. It needed to be purified. You didn't start pure. You needed to be purified by the blood of Jesus. That communion you took represented your purification. Now, according to God, what are you, dirty or pure? This is what you are. If you sin, now get it out. Sin is not your default. A pebble in your shoe is not normal. Get it out. The default is walking without pebbles in your shoe. The default, the way you're supposed to live, the standard, the foundation of a Christian is this, pure and holy, blameless before God. In other words, your conscience is soft to the pricks of the Lord's conviction. That is Christianity. That's how Christianity has been taught for millennia. That's how we've always understood it. Not this idea where I always have demons and I'm a Christian. That's not normal. That's wrong. You may not, as a Christian, generally have demons, but you might believe you do, and God's being merciful with you as you're playing make-believe. But stop that. Stop calling every intrusive thought a demon. It's not a demon. It's called your flesh. Okay, you don't have demons of this, demons of that. There are demons that can do those things. Do not get me wrong. But when you are a Christian, the devil is now not your major problem. It is your flesh. Go to James chapter 1, please, quickly, so you don't think I'm making this up. Well, you keep saying that. I'm going to show you it in the Bible, okay? Go to James chapter 1. How many know where I'm going right now? Do not let when anyone is being tempted. James chapter 1, verse 13. Say, God has tempted me. Obviously, God doesn't do it. But at the same time, we could also say, don't say the devil's doing it. Even though we know the devil tempts, 
But the point that James is going to make, it's just not even the focus of the devil. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own demon and enticed. How is each person dragged away and enticed? By what? Their own evil desire. God will not make us do good. The devil will not make us do bad. You will, li- you will live by your greatest desires. That's why C.S. Lewis taught that most of us do not live in our desires enough for God. That we are weak in our desires towards God because when he says love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are weak in that desire and so easily led astray into temptation. And the example that I always give you is if after you've eaten Thanksgiving dinner, do you now want to go out and get Taco Bell? No, because you're full. If your desire for God is your whole heart, there's nothing left. That's Christianity. Christianity is a consummation of your whole heart towards God. We are tempted when, when we are tempted in sin. It's because we have left a part of our heart unconsumed by the fire of God. We have left an appetite unfulfilled by God's table. We haven't eaten that what he has given us. If we're tempted and drawn away into the sin of lust, it's because we're not feasting on purity. If we're tempted into selfishness, it's because we're not feasting on selflessness and humility. The fruit of the Spirit. How many have heard that before? The fruit of the Spirit is your diet. Go, please, to Galatians chapter 5. This is the flesh versus the Spirit. And if we had time, I could show you that each one of these things are equal and opposite to each other. They have their own corresponding evil way about them. Keep going down, please. Notice this. When you look at the flesh, keep going, my brother. There you go. What is the opposite of sexual immorality? Purity. But how would we describe it in what four-letter word? Love. Does everybody get that? If I love humanity and sisters as myself, because I'm not same-sex attracted, if I loved humanity and sisters as myself, would I lust after them? I wouldn't do it. Why? Because I love them. Love does not do selfish things. Love does no harm. Think about that. Does everybody get it? They, they, they have these opposites there. Look at joy. What's the opposite of joy in the deeds of the flesh? Hatred, discord, you could even say jealousy, fits of rage. Do you get it? We are tempted and drawn into the sin of discord, jealousy, and all that when we're not feasting on joy. It's not the demon's fault. Yes, there can be a spirit that tries to lure us. Trust me, I believe that. But why does the devil get a foothold, as the Bible says? Because we are not feasting on the fruit of the Spirit. We don't have the Spirit in us like Jesus said it should be. Jesus said the Spirit should be so in us that we don't desire anything else but Him. Now, is that just a pipe dream or is that a reality that Christ wants us to live by? That should be a reality. Love should so consume me that I don't have room for lust. Joy should so consume me that I don't have fits of rage, which is uncontrolled by anger. Anger in of itself is not a sin. God is angry at times. How we get angry could be a sin, but notice it's fits of rage. It's uncontrollable anger, right? Selfish ambition. What's the opposite of selfish ambition in that list? We know selflessness, humility, but look at the list. Kindness. Goodness. There's a couple in there. Have you ever met a kind, selfish person? Of course you haven't. You haven't. They go, they're opposite, aren't they? Selfish people are unkind. Selfish people are not good people. They're not good. They don't care about you. Look at the other ones here. Orgies, drunkenness, all of these things. What is the opposite of that? Gentleness, self-control. Somebody say self-control. Have you ever met a person that liked having a lot of sex that had self-control? Hello. This is your Bible. I didn't write this before you got up this morning. It's been there for a while. Why aren't we doing it? I rebuke the demon of, of orgies. 
I rebuke the demon of pornography. That's true that demons may want you to do that stuff. They may come against you. But you know what you need to do? Instead of worrying about rebuking, 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 you need to say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I've come to receive self-control. I've come to receive joy. Hallelujah. I've come to receive forbearance. I'm going to feast on you today, Holy Spirit. Go with me to John chapter 15. I do believe in rebuking the devil, as the old preachers used to say, kick his butt because he's got a big one. Okay? I do believe that. Don't think he says not to mess with the devil. No, mess with him. Curse him out in Jesus' name. I curse you, devil. Go ahead. Stomp on him. I agree we should do that. Spiritual warfare is real. But I'm helping you understand what, what Christianity looks like. Jesus was not walking around cussing out the devil all the time. He was walking around feasting on the Spirit. The disciples were not obsessed with their demons. They were obsessed with the Holy Spirit. I am the true vine. We're going to get to this in the next chapter by God's grace. I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. What are they? They're already what? Clean. I'm still waiting for Jesus to clean me up. I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. Stop being that in Jesus' name. Stop it. How about you be clean for a while? How about you be who God called you to be? And how about this? And this is not fake it till you make it. This is speaking what God said, even though you don't see it. How about you wake up the first day after confessing Christ and say, I'm clean. And say it every day until you meet him in Jesus' name. Confess what he said. I am clean in Jesus' name. He said you were clean. You see, what it does is it takes away the excuse of your sin. See, because if you're kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, you got your demons, you're kind of a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner, then we can all just be like, hey, when I say I'm a Christian, I'm not saying perfect. I'm saying I'm perfect. I'm saying I'm forgiven. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not saying that I'm strong. I'm saying that I'm weak, but he helps me. Some of that is true, but that's the garbage people put on Facebook and Instagram. They think it's so awesome. This would this be like me walking up to my wife. When I say I'm being faithful, I'm not saying I really am because I also cheat on you at the gym with girls that I meet. But I know that you love me and you take care of me. Going to the bank. When, when I say that I'm a faithful customer here, I'm not saying I won't rob you in the next two minutes. But I am. And then you're going to help me because you know I really need this money. So put it in the bag. People laugh when you use it in the real world. We say don't judge me to Christians as they're trying to help us. Now, there can be some real judgy judges out there. But as people are trying to help us get out of sin, we'll say don't judge me, but we don't say that to Judge Judy. Only God can judge me. Is Judge Judy God? Last time I checked, she's making a lot of judgments. Police officer pulls you over. You were going 15 to 40. Don't judge me. You're just a person like me. You're just a, I'm doing a lot of voices today for whatever reason. You're just a person like me. I know you're not perfect. Let me point out all your mistakes. That's what people say to me as a pastor while I'm dealing with their issues. Well, let me now find your speck, pastor. Let me be the speck inspector of the church and help you out for a minute. Hold on here, plank eye. We'll deal with my stuff in a little bit, but right now we're trying to figure out why you keep going to bighooters.com. I wasn't called into the meeting. You were. You know what I'm saying? Let's deal with your stuff. And trust me, I'm getting the stuff out my head. But that's the way people are. They want to be speck inspectors. They want to teach the teacher. Don't hang on me. How many ever seen that work with Judge Judy or in a courtroom? Well, well, well. You know what, Judge? I heard you. I, I heard you got. I, I heard you had an attitude with your husband this morning. So you can't make a judgment on whether or not I murdered that person's family. Who are you to judge me? And then they go, well, God, only God can judge me. You haven't read the Bible. We have a book called Judges. There's a bunch of judges in the Bible. Have you ever learned about them? The Bible tells us to make righteous judgments. Amen. And then you can just ask somebody, when you're telling me not to judge you, is that a judgment? Some of you are slow in church this morning. Don't you judge me. Are you judging me? Uh, yeah, but I can judge you and tell you not to judge me, but you can't judge me by judging me. Hypocrite much. Now, come on, wake up, people. Don't you judge me. Are you judging me? Right? Stop telling people they're... This is what they say to us while we're street preaching. Stop telling people they're wrong. 
Why are you telling me I'm wrong? <laughs> they think they're so smart. They think they're so smart, don't they? And then we as Christians act the same way. Going back to the notes, please, God help us. God, help us. I want to be holy. I want to live like Jesus. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. It's pretty simple. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and show myself to them. How many have met Jesus by the Holy Spirit? Amen? You've met Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that those in the Old Testament met Jesus by the Holy Spirit? Go quickly to 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 11, not only will Jesus now speak to us by the Holy Spirit, but that's what he did back then before he came in the flesh. There was only a small time that Jesus was actually in the flesh on the earth. Before that, he spoke to us by the Holy Spirit, and sometimes he would appear, but mostly it was by the Holy Spirit. And then now that he's ascended to heaven, he's speaking to us by the Holy Spirit. Notice what Peter says, looking back at the Old Testament, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of what? The Spirit of who? The Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the what? The Messiah. How many know Christ and Messiah are the same words, just said differently? They're the same exact words. One Messiah goes back to the Hebrew word Mashiach. Christos goes to the Greek word Christ. But they both mean the exact same thing. So the Spirit in Christ, the Spirit of the Messiah was in them, pointing to the Messiah. He's not the same person of the Holy Spirit as others, like in the oneness Pentecostals have tried to say. The Father, Son, and Spirit are not one person. They are three separate persons, but one divine being, the Holy Trinity. They are in tri-unity, three persons in unity. The Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Wow. So you mean when the prophets would talk about Jesus, it was because the Spirit of Jesus was talking to the prophets? Yeah. Isn't that pretty cool? Jesus would be like, hey, I want them to know something about me. Holy Spirit said, I'll go there. Holy Spirit goes there and goes, pss, 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 let me tell you this about Jesus. Let me tell you this about And they're writing it down. And then and somebody asks them, well, who told you that? The Spirit. And then in the Old Testament, they just called it the Holy Spirit or God's Spirit, right? And then Peter comes along and goes, guys, you want to know something really cool? That Spirit that was coming and talking to you, guess whose Spirit that was? That was Jesus' Spirit. The same one in John 14. It said he would send. Go to John 14, please. How many love the Bible? How many you know good doctrine is interesting? We don't have to spice it up today. We don't have to, you know, add something to the flesh to it. It's there. The Holy Spirit is enough. So you keep my commands and you know that you love me. That's what Jesus said. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. That's what the two persons, right? And then he says, I will love them and show myself to them. Okay? Now we're going to talk about the third person again. Father and Son. The Father is the person there of the Father. The I is Jesus. Then Judas, not Iscariot. This is more than likely Thaddeus, who went by a different name. You can see him in the Gospels. But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? So why are we only going to have this relationship with you and the, the, the Father? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So those two persons are there. But keep going. All this I have spoken to you while still with you. So Jesus is speaking the words of the Father while he is with him. But the who? The advocate. The who? The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. The advocate, Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in Jesus' name. How many is that? Three, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my, being Jesus, in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Praise God. That is amazing. You have just learned the Trinity. You have just learned the secret of Christianity. The secret of Christianity is the Holy Spirit in you as the advocate, as your defender, as your lawyer, as your defense, as your helper, as your comforter, speaking on behalf of the Father and the Son. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. See, the world would have you wondering if you're a Christian or demon-possessed half the time, right? The world is shaky in their karma. They don't know what's going on. Sometimes I, I listen to people talk about their karma, and I'm like, you really believe this? 
man, I must have done something bad in my, my previous life. My ex-girlfriend will not let me alone. I'm telling you, I hear people talk like that. I must have been a bad person back then. How many people heard somebody talk about their karma? Am I the only one on social media these days? Seriously, it's like a funny thing, you know, like having a bad day. Man, who did I hurt in that previous life? You know, that's how they think. That's not how the Bible thinks. The Bible teaches us very clearly. This is one life. It's given to you as a gift. Right now, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Those are called tests and trials. Don't look down on yourself because those happen. They happen. Other times, good things happen to bad people. They shouldn't justify their bad behavior because a good thing happened. You know, the guy who put on horns at the Grammys and sang a, a devilish song and all that, that dude's blowing up right now. He shouldn't be like, I'm so amazing because I'm doing so good dressing up like the devil. That's just a temporary success. But his eternal damnation is still ahead. While at the same time, there could be a Christian artist put all their work into a song, put it out, only got two plays. That doesn't mean God's sad or disappointed in you. You're being tested for your heart to see if you did it for God or if you did it for likes, right? So we're not superstitious. Karma is superstition. I'm supernatural. There's a difference. Superstition will have you thinking in twisted ways. Supernatural will have you ground your thoughts in the peace of God. Today, if bad things are happening in your life and you have repented of all sin, God is not punishing you. There are punishments that happen for unrepentant sin. But if you have repented of your sin, even if someone's in jail today, and I was a chaplain, I would say this to them. You're not here because God doesn't love you. This is not a punishment in that way anymore. This is now a test and a trial to see if you'll serve God no matter what situation you're in. You need this to make sure you won't go out there and do it again. But God's not mad at you anymore. He's not looking at you in X, Y, and Z way. You're going to have a consequence, but God is not against you. God is for you. Amen? And the Bible talks about this. Let me just show you real quickly. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, someone come to the keyboard, please. How many got something out of today? Amen. Possibly look at my Facebook today if you follow me, Joe Y. Rostick there. I might be going live discussing this more, actually putting some videos out of these people because it's hilarious the things they're doing. I got to expose it, and it's sad at the same time. So if you want to watch that, that could be fun. We'll see, Lord willing. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse uh, 5 there at the bottom. God opposes the who? The proud, but shows favor to the humble. You see how that works? See, God is not opposing you once you're humble. But, but I still got bad things happening in my life. Okay, some of them could be some consequences from your past. That's true. But God's not doing it to punish you in a way to harm you. And most of the time, what we consider to be bad days and things like that are just simply part of living in a fallen world. Like, for example, if you get a flat tire, it's not the devil. It's you forgot to check that light and what that, mean, what that meant when it said you were down in your air pressure and you just kept driving, right? Like, that's not the devil. It could be. It could be like a rare chance the devil actually cared about you having a flat tire today. Or it could just be God allowing you to go through life, stubbing your toe, flat tires as tests and trials to see if you'll stay humble. What do tests and trials remind us of? We're not in charge, right? Tests and trials remind us that it's not our world. It's God's world, and he's going to work it for good, even some of the bad things that happen in our life. Now, quickly going back to the notes, Jesus is speaking to them, and he says, I give you peace. See, you don't have to wonder today if you're a Christian and you're demon-possessed. You don't have to wonder that. You can take a deep breath and go, I am at peace. Hallelujah. He says, I don't give as the world gives. This is not karma. This is not the retribution of your haters who just want to see you fail because they don't love you. No, this is the love of a father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit helping us. He gave us the helper. Somebody say the helper. Thank you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And that right there is where I'm going to pause for today. And Lord willing, I will come back and hit on it again. Because we don't get that. We think that fear has to be experienced because we thought about it. And I want to tell you today, you don't have to experience every fear that you're tempted with. Fear comes to our heart like an uninvited guest. And you and I hold the key to the gate to whether or not we let it in. The feeling of fear is natural to all of us, and we'll all have different triggers that will trigger fears. I take some of you to the Hancock building. We look down. Some of you are not going to be afraid. Others of you are going to pee your pants. Okay? That's like my wife, man. She doesn't, my, my daughter, Bethany, she wants to go skydiving for her 18th birthday. I keep telling my wife, we all need to do this together. Like, I really want her to do it. She doesn't want to do it. Like, my wife would be screaming, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, 
I don't want to force her to do it, but I wish there was a way. You know what I'm saying? Like without going to jail for kidnapping. You know what I'm talking about like that. I'm not an abuser. Listen to me, ladies. I'm not an abuser, but I just want it for her good. I want to like push her out of it. You know what I'm saying? And just push her out of the plane and be like, look, you'll be okay. But listen, for some of you, that's not a fear. Others of you, like a spider is a fear. I knew a dude that was afraid of birds. A real live dude was afraid of birds. Not a make-believe dude, not my make-believe friend, but a real friend, my broski, was afraid of birds. How, do you, how are you afraid of birds as a dude? I, had, I heard another story, and they said it was true, that this one guy was afraid of drive-thrus. Afraid of drive-thrus. What happened in your life that that, that became your trigger? What, what happened? You know what I'm saying? I don't even know how to make that even funnier than what it is, but it's just funny. How, like, how? But that's his trigger. But what does the Bible say? Do not let. Do not let. That means you have a choice in there. Your hearts be troubled, and notice this. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. Do not be afraid. That means that there is nothing that we are supposed to do that we can use fear as an excuse. See, my wife, she doesn't have to jump out of a plane, so she can say, hey, I don't want to do it. And there are things like, obviously, I wouldn't want to do, partly out of fear and just I want to live, you know? Like some of my friends, like, you know, I do snowboarding, all of this. Some of my friends do motorbike, motocross. And I'm like, no, thank you. I do not, I do not want to hit a 30-foot jump going 100 miles an hour. I want to live. I want to go home tonight, you know? Now I'll hit a snowboard jump about maybe 10, 15 feet high going about 25 miles an hour. But you get what I'm saying? Like, I have my line. But I don't have to do that. That's not a thing that God says, I command you to take that jump at 100 miles an hour. No, God's not commanding me to do this. But notice, anything that God commands us to do, we cannot use fear as an excuse. So God commands you to leave your life of sin. But I'm afraid what my friends will say. No, no, be not afraid. You notice how that comes up now? See, that's where the context is. Jesus says, I want you to go preach the gospel to your friends and family. Well, what, what, what will happen if they don't like it and then they reject me? Don't, don't, be not afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Well, what about my job? What about the, the, the culture? What about how people are going to treat me? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. It's our choice. Amen? And I decide today to be fearless. How many want to be fearless with Jesus? Can we stand up and give it up for Jesus? Come on. Lord willing, next week we'll go through the rest of this as we go through the book of John. Let's all come up. I mean, or rather, just the altar workers and band, please. You can stay where you're, you're, you're at, at your seats there. Can we pray right now for those who don't know Jesus? Father, I ask if anyone here doesn't know you, that they'll repent of their sins and be born again. If that's you, right now, wherever you're seated, just ask Jesus into your heart. Ask him to forgive you. Don't hide your sins from God. Let him in today. Those who are Christians but would say you're walking a fine line between heaven and hell, get away from hell right now. In Jesus' name, get away from sin. Get away from backsliding. Jesus loves you and doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to keep his command. So if you're not a Christian, ask Jesus to make you one today. If you haven't been born again, ask to be born again. If you've been a Christian but you're weak in your faith, you're struggling in your sin, ask the Lord to help you. Ask him to strengthen you. And then for the rest of us, can we raise up our hands and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in our life today? You said you would.